Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the marketing podcast for marketers, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. Uh, in today's episode, you will learn how to leverage videos so you can sell more stuff. All of that without expensive equipment or technical know-how. So my guest today is the co-founder and chief video officer, which is the first time I'm ever mentioning this title on the podcast, of Animoto, which is an online video maker that makes it easy for anyone to create professional quality marketing videos. I see them a bit to be like the Canva of video, which is an easy way to create images, but for them it's, it's video. So it's quite, quite interesting angle. Uh, so my guest founded Animoto with his high school and college friends back in 2006, which is like 11 years ago, man. That's a long time. And now more than 1 million businesses are using the tool. And prior to founding Animoto, he was a producer for MTV Networks and Comedy Central. Uh, so Jason Chow, welcome aboard. Thanks, Louis. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure. So why is video so important? And let me rephrase, why is video that different from, I don't know, a text-based article or a podcast like ours? Well, you know, certainly we, we, we see video everywhere, right? And I think it's just because video is that much more interesting and captivating. I mean, you think about what video is, it's visual, it's audio, it includes text, pictures, it's, it's moving, it's everything. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, we are visual creatures. And so if there's a great image, that's great. But if there's video, you know, something moving, it, it just it just really kind of captures your attention. And I think, especially in the last few years, there's all these stats about, you know, video versus the performance of like video versus text or video versus images. And I, one of the super interesting things is people just tend to, it's, uh, there's a stat like people remember six times the amount of information from a video, you know, than from text. So there's just, I think there's just something for everyone, you know, in video and it's kind of like a one plus one equals three thing because it's kind of so, it has so many different dimensions to it. Where is this study coming from? Can you remember? No, but there's been a lot of different studies over the last, especially I think in the last two, three years about how video with your website or video with landing pages or video when used with email or video on social media just tends to perform better. Something like, you know, there's another stat, like 64% of people are more likely to make a purchase online after watching a video or videos shared like 12 times more than, uh, you know, text and images. But I think the bottom line is just like we, this is how people increasingly want, you know, to consume their information. And so we as businesses need to learn to communicate in a way that people out there want their information. And so that's why we're, that's really why at the end of the day, we're seeing so much video these days. Do you think it's here to stay or is it going to be replaced by something else? I mean, it's difficult to predict the future, obviously, but when you think of the virtual reality uh, coming up, uh, is it here to stay? Can marketers rely on video for the next 5, 10, 50 years? That's a great question. Well, I think the answer is we're only really in the early days of video and we're just only seeing the importance of video grow. And, you know, it may take different forms. Like now people are experimenting with like square and landscape or, you know, but there's always going to be some version of video for me. If we looked at what's happened, say, over the last 10 years, yeah, you know, like I think some of the trends of like what social media platform is, you know, the hottest um, that stuff may change, but what we've seen is really, you know, with mobile and cloud and all the different social platforms that video has really only become more and more important. And we've had folks, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg say that, you know, that they're going all in on video because they really see that that's how people want to communicate. So, you know, I mean, like 10 years ago was what, like, we we're talking about like MySpace and there wasn't even the iPhone, you know, like, like 10 or 11 years ago. And, and here we are where we're, everything's on our phone. So things are changing quickly, but it seems like video is really kind of, uh, just getting started and becoming more, more and more important. It feels like it mimics the best real life. I know it's, it sounds a bit stupid to say it this way, but we are talking to each other via Skype. We're recording this conversation right now. I see you, but I, I don't see you yet. Yet you're real to me. So that it feels like it's mimicking real life interaction quite closely with video. And when you go towards virtual reality, then it gets to the almost mimicking the entire situation. So it's no surprise that. Uh, you don't have to learn to watch a video. You have to learn to read. It's no surprise that the effort needed to watch a video and remember stuff is maybe higher than reading an article about the same topic. Yeah, that's actually funny that you mentioned that. I used to, so I speak a lot at conferences. I used to actually be, say stuff like, you know, video is the next best thing to getting to talk to someone in person. But but now I actually realized, you know, that video is is actually way more powerful because 
you know, I mean, even if we recorded this and put it out there, all the people that could not join us this one second or could not be with us in person can enjoy this for weeks or months, to, you know, listen to this for weeks or months to come. So really kind of video is able to really scale, you know, be in multiple locations, really kind of be convenient to, you know, whoever's watching, they don't have to, you know, be at a certain place or a certain time. They can watch at their convenience. They can skip around to whatever they want to watch too. So, and just as a business, it's, it really, you know, to be able to create a video and then let it take a life of its own so that it can do the work for you. That's probably one of the most powerful parts of, you know, video in terms of its kind of cost of efficacy. So we've, I actually mentioned that when we were talking before the show, right? Is the fact that we've never talked about video on uh, the podcast, which is, which is quite odd, but it's a good thing because you can talk about it for, for the next uh, 40 minutes. Uh, so together, I'd like to go through kind of a step-by-step -step of a method that people can use uh, starting now and just after listening to podcasts to leverage video a bit more and without necessarily, as you said, like technical uh, equipment that cost a fortune or without a lot of knowledge on how to, to make it happen. So I know it depends on the use case. There might be different use cases and I know you have a few to share. Maybe you can pick the use case that you tend to see the most often, the one that has the highest impact, the one you think is probably the most relevant to our audience today? So I'd say, you know, that's actually probably the, the question I get asked the most is, you know, how should I get started, right? Because, you know, you see a video everywhere, there's all sorts of things you could do, but where should I get started? So I'll answer that in a couple of different ways. So one is, um, you know, some people think they need to go out and hire, you know, like a, someone to do their their big company video. And people will spend ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to make these videos. You don't need to spend that kind of money these days to make a quality video. So I think the first kind of mindset is that you can actually create, you know, a great video with basically kind of like exactly what you said, like with Canva, like there are tools that, you know, like Animoto that allow you to actually create professional content yourself without having to go and you know hire these folks. I'd actually specifically say that uh, the, the best place to start because people are like, well, you know, you've talked about Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And it's like, and there seems like there's all these, where should I start? Really the best place to start is Facebook. It's the biggest, they have the most kind of specific tools to get you targeted in front of the right folks. So I just say, if you're going to start somewhere, I mean, the best answer is wherever your audience is. But for most folks, uh, Facebook is uh, is the place to start. And probably the one that's growing the fastest is Instagram. So, you know, maybe if, after you feel like you've mastered Facebook, you can move on to Instagram. I'm just going to cut you there because it's an important thing to mention here. Yeah. Is you said, I think the most important thing is wherever your audience hangs out, right? And I'm hoping that this podcast episode can be listened to people in like two, five, ten years and still be relevant somehow. Not everything, yep. but somehow. So you made this, this very good point. So yes, as you said, Facebook, Instagram are like growing a lot right now. But the concept remains the same. It's really about where your audience hangs out online. And there is a good chance, whatever you're selling, that your audience hangs out online unless they are at the age of society or like, let's say, like older certain, yeah. certain generation and all of that, right? So this is yeah. why you're mentioning Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And I think, you know, because some people feel like they need to be kind of on the super cutting edge of whatever the latest and greatest social media trend is. But, you know, oftentimes those are just getting started. So really, you know, is you as a business, if, you're, if you want to be successful with your initial efforts, uh, just go to where, you know, most of your audience is. And that's a great place to start. Um, and then people are just like, well, what kind of videos, you know, should I make? And people have all sorts of worries like, well, I don't know what type of video to start with or I don't want to be in front of the camera. I'm not comfortable. Um, you know, my general rule of thumb is if you're trying to figure out where to get started, think about what already works for your business. You, you probably have something, uh, either a message or a testimonial or a stat or something on your website that already works for you. And you can take that and you can make that a video because you know that your audience already resonates with that. So start with something that already works. If you are, for example, there's this great company, uh, Buffer which makes like social media tools, but they're also known for their great kind of blog content. So how they got started with videos, they started taking their top blog posts and either making them, you know, short videos that kind of summarize, you know, top five tips for whatever, or teasing, you know, some of the, these, uh, you know, blog posts that, you know, maybe were longer episodes. And that was a perfect way for them to get started with videos. So I just say, think about what already works, what already resonates with your audience and make that 
make that a video. I think, you know, a lot of people get nervous about video because they think it's like this whole new type of marketing to learn. But if you just think like, oh, no, it's actually not a whole new type of marketing. It's just a way to really amplify whatever works. I think that's kind of an easier way to think about how to get started with video. Yeah, very much like this approach. Um, so I think step one, uh, once you figure out where your people hang out, right? So that should be step one. We are not going to touch on that today because we there are way more uh, interesting topic on the video side that we need to talk about. But step two then is really identify the things that are already working for you, right? So what, what pieces of content have you created that have resonated the most? And from my small experience, it tends to be the kind of the 80-20, right, rule. Like 20% of the thing we ha you have is having 80% of the impact. So why exactly. not starting with the biggest, most like impactful thing you've ever done and just turn that into video, whatever it is, right? Exactly, yep. That's, a, that's the best place to start because you already kind of have proof that that piece of content, you know, resonates. And it could be a photo, it could be a quote, it could be, um, you know, these your first video doesn't have to be like a three-minute masterpiece. It could be 15, 20 seconds. It can be really, you know, especially on social media, the best videos are ones that, that just make one point. It doesn't need to be, you know, a whole production. It can be something that makes one or two points and, and you have yourself a video and you can see how that does. And that's another very interesting insight because whether it's social media or anywhere else, people have less and less time to spend on, on stuff and they're busy and they are anxious about their life and personal life and professional life. And what you said is works for video as well as anything else. One message, simple, straight to the point, right? And it works for yeah. anything. It's, it's amazing how marketing is simple when you do it this way. Yeah. And especially right on, if you think about more and more people are on mobile, right? Which means they're usually kind of like on the go. Sometimes they're not even, you know, watching with, with sounds. So you have to think about, you know, using, using text or using captions. But, but the most important thing is since they're on the go, you kind of have to keep it short and make sure you're, you make every second count. You know, I, I, I usually remind folks, this is not like a, a theater, you know, going to a movie where you know the audience is going to be there in their seats uh, 90 minutes later. This is, this is, we're talking about uh, folks online where, you know, you'll probably be lucky if half the people are still watching at the end of your video. So you have to really make every second count. And typically, I think for people getting started, you know, just remember less is more. And if you start off making something 60 seconds, think out how you can make it 30 seconds. Um, you know, I love to just say you could probably cut in half the, you know, the amount of time of whatever it is that you're trying to communicate in the first time. So from your experience, what are the the type of formats that work well to repurpose. And maybe you can give specially specific use case. You mentioned Buffer, who use their most popular blog posts into video. So maybe start with that. So let's say we have a blog post that is very popular. We know it's resonating with people. How do you go from a text-based article that works to a video that also works? Yeah, well, it's great. I mean, there's so many different ways you can... So if you think about the, the basic building blocks of what could go into a video, it actually doesn't need to be even include any video clips, which I think sometimes it's it's an aha moment for folks. It could be, you know, top three ways to get started with video. It could just be text, and um, you know, with tools like Animator, you also have access to you know uh, stock images and video clips. So if you want to make it more visually interesting and put something behind it that's relevant, you can do that. It can just be text, but I think about you know uh, either if you're starting, if you happen to be a type of you know service or business that has great content, you know, maybe even like a podcast, take some of the, maybe the most interesting parts, maybe some of the best quotes, or if there's a way to summarize it in a list form, or if you just want to tease it and just say, you know, this week, you know, my, my special guest is so-and-so and, and, and play one of the, you know, the best, you know, one of the best parts just to tease it kind of like, you know, movie trailers do for movies. There's a lot of different ways that you can kind of create videos to promote or support, you know, or, or point people to, uh, you know, your content. So a, t a teaser, I think a lot of people will be familiar with this concept. Then you, yep. you said like turning that into a simple list where you can basically have a frame per item, just go through yep. them 20 seconds, boom, it's easy to digest. And then you lead them to the next blog post, to the main blog post. And then you mentioned also something at the start, maybe nailing, maybe a category, maybe a quote or two, like a highlight. Yeah, like a hi yeah, like a just kind of like a like a movie trailer. As you pick out some of the most interesting parts, and people are like, oh, I wanna, I wanna hear the rest of this, or I wanna, you know, read the rest of this. So what else can you do with it, uh, with the blog post? That's three that you mentioned. Maybe there's other stuff that you've seen that are quite nice. You can start with. 
Well, I mean, with a blog post, I mean, you think about what a blog post can really cover the range of things. And in fact, this is actually just a really good point in general, which is I think sometimes people think like, oh, video is like this. They think of it like a like a one-off item on their marketing to-do checklist. They're like, okay, I have a video, I'm done. But really, if you think about it, video is it has become a, a form of communication, which means we need to, I like to say, we need to learn to speak video. I mean, we need, we need, to, we need to communicate regularly with video. So just like what we're doing via email or blog posts or anything on social media where we're regularly communicating, any of that type of communication can be, can be, and I actually say should be a video. So if you think about, say, what you're doing, already doing on your blog or already doing via email, you are teasing, announcing, you know, new things. You are inviting people to, you know, to do something or join something or join an event. You are recapping, you know, something, uh, maybe, you know, recapping something that happened or an event. You are demoing, you know, something. You're showing, you're explaining something. You're teaching people. So all these different things that you're already doing, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, how-tos or recaps or interviews or announcements or teasers or newsletters or overviews of something, that's all perfect fodder for video, whether you're replicating that kind of that whole piece of content or just, you know, using video to, to tease uh, wherever they should go. Yeah, so you've given quite a, a long list here, uh, which is nice. Um, so uh, going back to the use case, blog post, that's a top blog post. You can do a lot of stuff on it. Now, I know that one objection that keeps coming back, and it's usually also linked to the, the fact of repurposing content is, I'm afraid that people will get bored because I've already posted something on the same subject. You know, I don't want to reshare a video that basically has the same content because people will just think, oh shit, it's, I've already seen this. So what are your thoughts on that? No, that's a great question. No, but I think we as businesses, we need to be able to offer our content and messages in, in multiple forms because, you know, really there are times and purposes and preferences for certain types of... So just because video is becoming more popular doesn't mean people might not still be, you know, in their cars, driving to work, you know, listening to, you know, listening to podcasts or needing to be on the subway and reading through something. So, and people aren't going to force themselves to, to read something again or listen to something again if they don't want to. So you're not doing them a disservice. You're doing your audience a service by providing your message or your content and your information in, in multiple forms. And, and listen, you know, when you think about all the different people out there, people are wired differently. Some people really want to spend a lot of time. Some people still prefer reading things. And so it's great to have stuff in, in written format. But, you know, there's a lot of folks that also, you know, like video or like visual content. Um, there are some people that, that really learn best by, by listening. I actually am very um, audio oriented. And so I actually feel like I, I do best listening to stuff. But, um, but video is now kind of another, you know, another way we can communicate and make sure that we can offer our, our content. So I wouldn't worry about people thinking like, oh, why does he have an audio version of this and a video version of this? They'll find what works for them. You're providing value for them and catering to their preferences. So. so give me another use case beyond, let's say, so repurposing content seems to be the okay. lowest hanging fruit, the one yep. that is the simple, you can get started right now. You, and to summarize what you said, keep it simple, one message, one video, summarize the video into a list of things it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a live video it could be actually stock photos images uh, just simple text with animation right that yep. could work or as you said as well it could be a teaser so yep. let's say now we've, we've we are we have that in our repurposing uh, kind of checklist we do that every time we republish we put that on youtube on facebook and whatnot what is from your experience the kind of the second use case you like more businesses or more people people listening to, to do with video. Great. Well, then I think, so once uh, people have some confidence with video and they start to see, oh, it really delivers re real results and, and, and I can do this. The next kind of area I, I, I love to recommend is folks to think about, like, what are those things that you're already kind of repeating often, you know, in your in your day-to-day -day business? And so these tend to be the most important things that people need to know, right? Because you're talking about all the time. So the most basic, right, is, so what, what, is, what is your business? What, do you, what is it that you offer? How are you different or how are you unique? Or and maybe you're having to, you know, you're, you find yourself telling that story, you know, behind why your business exists. That sometimes gets to like the benefits or whatever, what you offer. So whatever those things are about your business, right? So those kind of become... I think more evergreen videos um, because they really kind of cover, uh, you know, what 
what you are, they, they kind of cover the, the foundation of what you want most of your audience to know, which is what you offer, um, how you're different and how they can benefit from them. And when you have that video, when you have that video, you can use that in all sorts of ways, you know, on social, on various social media platforms, you can pair it with email, you can make it as part of your email signature, you can, um, you know, include it in, uh, on, on your homepage or landing pages or about us page. So what's great about those videos is they really have multiple uses and they can last, you know, a long time until you feel like your, however you talk about your business, you know, changes or, um, you know, evolves. So think about those things that you kind of talk about, you know, all the time and, and, and realize that those are important. And the benefit, right? Another benefit for us as business owners, because we're all really busy, right? Is if we can capture some of that content in video, then maybe it helps reduce, <laughs> you know, in our data, having to reduce a lot of this, you know, repetition of stuff that, um, that we're talking about. Let, let's let video do the work. So. So that's an interesting use case. It's more like the foundation of your business or the foundation of your marketing stuff. So as you said, your brand story, it could be your value proposition. It could be benefits, the key benefits, the key reasons why you should buy from us. It could be the tip the top features people always ask for. Uh, it could be an introduction to the business from the CEO perspective, who they are. So there's yep. a lot of things. Uh, apart from the four I just listed, anything else that springs to mind when it comes to the those foundations? Anything you've seen that worked well? Well, I, certainly those are all the foundational things, but also I think foundational, but in a, in a different sense is making sure that, uh, you know, your audience is being kind of, uh, kept up to date with what's, you know, what's happening. So if you're the type of business that has regular new, whatever, and regular new products or regular new services, then you should make sure that you're using video to make, you know, to, to, to make those announcements or to make that news. So you know, introducing our new spring catalog of whatever furniture or, you know, fashion line or whatever. So, um, so basically, you know, thinking similar to how you do a catalog or a newsletter is making sure that you're keeping people updated on all the new, new things that your business has to offer, if that's the type of business you have. So to, to summarize, first use case to repurpose what you already have. A second use case, the foundations of your business, the things you tend to repeat your, uh, uh, about your business quite a lot. Uh, and the third one being more about newsletter type of video, new features, new things you are launching, new products, new events and whatnot, right? Yep. And if we just did a, if we just created a video out of what we just talked about, you could create a 15 second video out of what you just said. It's the top three ways to get started with video. <laughs> just there repeat you what you just said. Yep. So there you go. Exactly. And this is the way to think about it. This is why I do this exercise whenever I, I interview interesting guests. It's like trying to summarize things because I know listeners just forgot what you said 10 minutes ago, which is fine. They have other stuff to think about. So it's a nice way to repeat the message, right? Which is important as well in marketing. The more you repeat the message, as long as it's clear, the better it's going to be embedded into people's mind and the more likely they are to remember you in the future to make when they make a, a decision, right? Exactly. Yep. So there is something I want to talk to you about. This is a, an ongoing battle I have in the space, in the marketing space for the last few years. I even spoke at conferences about this very topic. I fucking hate stock photos, right? Yeah. And, 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 it's, and it's something I know I'm making too much of a point out of it. You know, some people don't have necessarily the money resources to think about something else. But yep. I know like your tool, like other tool like Canva enables you to basically like pull any stock photos, any, any stock videos, even from, from anywhere. So what is your advice when it comes to using stock photos, uh, especially when you get started, what is the balance between stock photos versus your own stuff versus just text-based? What are your thoughts? So Greg, I actually have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of opinions about that. In general, I think that, uh, I think most businesses out there actually already have content. If you think about stuff that's already on your website, or already on your Facebook page or already on social media, you, pro you probably already have, especially if you're any kind of business with anything phys physical or visual, you probably already have great photos, um, you know, of something of, of your business. So, uh, so I'd say, you know, there's nothing more, I think, important than starting with showing what you really are about. Because I think the problem with stock, stock stuff, if you overuse it or misuse it, is that it comes across... Um, whatever the opposite of a uh, genuine is, uh, disingenuous, fake, right. Fake news. Like bull bullshit. Yeah. So, you know, and, and in today's day and age, where it's just like exactly what I said, just over information, lots of misinformation that I think that one of the most important things today as a business is to make sure that you are genuine 
because authenticity equals trust, right? And there's this great quote by uh, Zig Ziglar, I think is his name. He says, uh, if people like you, they'll listen to you. But if they trust you, they'll do business with you. And I think that's totally true. I think he said that like 20 years ago, but it's especially true today, right? So, so back to just, you know, wherever you can figure out how to be authentic in your videos. And there's nothing more authentic than showing you, your, you know, making it human and showing yourself, whether that's you, the founder, or you, the business owner, or someone on your team, because I think that just offers a lot of you know, authenticity. But if you're not comfortable, or if you don't have people, find some of your customers that love you guys, you know, your raving fans, or someone willing to talk about because there's nothing more genuine than hearing an actual customer, right? Everyone hates marketers, so you know, what's better than hearing an actual customer talk about your business? That's, that's great too. And you know, that doesn't, that to me, that doesn't mean that there's not a place, for, you know, sometimes you just need a piece of stock image to complement something because you don't have that picture of, you know, whatever it is you need. So that's fine to use, but I think don't overuse it. The other thing I hate when marketers do, and you see this with stock all the time, is when they try to be funny and they're not funny and their brand isn't supposed to be funny. So I say, you know, authenticity is more important than Hilarious. Don't try to be funny or cute. If that's not you, that's not your brand because there's nothing that smells like bullshit more than <laughs> when people are like trying to be funny and they aren't. It, it comes across really fake and really, I think, I think it actually have negative consequences to your brand when you're trying to be, you know, funny and you're not. So don't be tempted to go down that route unless that's part of your brand or unless you know that you're already hilarious um, then great, you know, embrace that. But I see way too many companies trying to be funny when they definitely should not be. And I, it actually makes me think worse of them. So so how to stay authentic, I guess, is, is what you mentioned. So making sure that, yeah, you don't try to be funny when you're not. Making sure that you show your face you, you, and you, you be authentic in the way you, you show that. Using customers is the third one you mentioned. Yeah, humanizing your, con your message, your content, however you can, either with you or someone on your team. Yeah, and if you can get customers, I mean, there's nothing more powerful than hearing customers you know, rave about whatever your, your product or service is. So. And the fourth thing you mentioned is not to overuse stock photos, to be cautious with them. And it's okay to use when you have a gap. Let's say you have a video and you want to illustrate a point that you, you certainly don't have video, an image for it. You can't find it, then it's okay to find one. But I, I, may, I may add a tip there when it comes to stock photos is making sure that you don't simply just Google, Google image <laughs> a fucking whatever it is that you want to, and you grab the first one from Google image, because chances are it's been used tens of thousands of times by other brands and those other brands might have a shitty reputation. So the association in people's mind that might have seen something on another website is the same than you could be very bad, right? So try to find some stock photos that are rare or that you have to pay for. I think that's one of the main thing, right? If you have to pay for it, even if it's $2 or something, the barriers to entry yeah. gets a bit uh, better. Higher. Yeah, the great thing is with you know a lot of these well with like Animoto's there there actually is access to a whole library of like Getty stuff so you don't have have to pay extra for it. But I think your tip is really important, which is I think we talk about stock a, a, and it has a little bit of a bad rap um, because there is a lot of shitty you know cheesy looking stock stuff. But not all of it is bad. There's more and more because I think people are recognizing this need of like. People don't like all that cheesy looking stuff, like a whatever cat against a white background, you know, and with like a fake product looking thing. So, you know, I think more and more people are really trying to offer kind of more kind of quote real looking stuff. So take the time to pick something that, you know, not only doesn't look cheesy, uh, but that doesn't look stock, but, you know, maybe even something that looks like you, you might have even, you know, taken it or that, you know, that, that looks like could be part of your company stuff. And I think, you know, there's enough variety out there that, you know, it might take a little bit of extra effort, but not that much. So find something that looks, yeah, not cheesy, not stock, and that might fit kind of your look and your brand. So we mentioned a pet peeve. You mentioned the authenticity one. So what are the other, like, big mistakes you see companies, individuals doing when they do video? You mentioned a few, but maybe you can repeat some of them, maybe new yeah. ones that you have. Yeah, so we're kind of getting into like best practices, you know, or things to avoid like when making your video. So, you know, we talked about keeping it short. We talked about keeping it authentic and trying to humanize it. I think a couple more tips are, um, you know, re remembering that people are on mobile, mostly on mobile these days, is uh, make your videos square. So if you think about the, the, the difference of a square video compared to a regular, whoops, landscape video 
is that you actually take up like 78% more space in your feed. And just the fact that the video is that much bigger means it performs better. People watch more of it. It gets more engagement. So use square video. I think by this time next year, we might be talking more about vertical, but I think people are still kind of a little bit in experimental mode with vertical. So again, I don't think most of us as as businesses need to be in the ex, you know in kind of on the bleeding edge of ex- experimenting so i think but square even mo- if you see watch movie trailers now on social they're actually doing them square and you would think that if anyone is loyal to the widescreen format it would be you know like movie you know movie houses but they know that square performs better so that's why they're doing it square so that's another tip and then i think my last big tip is uh just remember that those first few seconds i'd say even that first second um, really counts because you think about what people are doing. They're flying through their their newsfeed, and Mark Zuckerberg calls it thumb stopping. Like basically, you need to have something in that first second or that first half second that really catches people's attention. So what I like to say is, don't save the best for last. Save the best for first. You know, it, you you are. This is not like a movie, right? Where you know that you can save the the big grand finale for the end take that most important part, put it up front and make sure that every second counts so that you can get as many people watching that video as possible. So you'll hear some people out there saying, think like a movie director, think like Steven Spielberg. Definitely do not do that. This is a totally different world. You're about catching and keeping people's attention. So, you know, value their time, make it efficient and hook them with that first, you know, that first second. So I think those are probably some of the best, uh, the kind of the most important best practices to, to remind folks. That's, that's a really nice point. I, I hadn't thought about it. So I, I think it's a nice thing to dive into a bit, uh, this first second. Cause it's, yeah, you said s- save the best for first, right? But I know there is, they, there must be some uh, examples you have in mind or specific things you need to do to make sure that this first, this first second is, is really something that people pay attention to without being sleazy or aggressive in, in your video, right? So, Apart from like the best, best first, which which makes sense. How does it look like? How what should you do to make this first second stick? Well, I'll give a few kind of examples of things I've seen off the top of my head that um, you know maybe will spark some ideas on folks. But for there's a lot of businesses out there where they provide some kind of service, or you know, and there's always like this kind of great before and after. You know, whether it's something beauty related or renovation related or home related or whatever. So I think, you know, one tactic you see, right, is people will start that video with kind of like a quick before and after. So you see that transformation and then you're kind of hooked. You're like, oh, I want to see how this person got from this to this or this, how this kitchen got from this to this. And then you'll take the time to watch it. But you kind of start with like that payoff for the first second or two, and then you kind of get into it. So that's kind of one example of starting, you know, kind of with the best to kind of hook people in. Another way is, which is just slightly different, is you start with some text or start with a question that just kind of hooks people's attention. So just start with a question because people will then kind of want to know, you know, what the answer is. Something related is the reason why I think lists are so popular, you know, like top three ways or top five ways, you know, to get started with, video or the, you know, top five tools for, you know, for marketing your business. People just want to know what number one is. So you start with, you know, so don't start with number one, you start with number five, but, but you're saying you're basically saying top five. And so that kind of hooks people in and then you start making your way to one. And it kind of, you know, makes people want to watch more and more. Um, but just that hook of either that question or something that you're going to get to, um, is a great way to kind of keep people um, interested in, in watching. And then I think just another tip is just, you know, if it's not obvious, just take, if you have, you know, 10 photos in your in your video, or if, if you have a video, a long video clip, just find that one best photo or that one, uh, you know, best two or three seconds of whatever video clip and just start with that. Even if you repeat it later, just start with that. Just in the same way, like when we listen to podcasts, you know, sometimes hosts will just, preview a bit, kind of tease some of the most interesting stuff. And that just get, kind of gets you hooked so that you kind of kind of keep watching. So take some of those interesting parts and put them, you know, put them up front. So one thing that I would, um, that I would recommend, and that's not my idea whatsoever, it's based on the, the, the most successful direct response marketers in the world, like Ogilvy and all of those people, they all, all say to, to keep a swipe file, right? So if you see an interesting video that, that caught your eye and you actually stop to watch it, save it. I save the link, put it in a text file. Like I use notes for Mac and, and iPhone. Whenever I see something, I put the URL. And actually forces, you can see patterns, you can get ideas. It's obviously difficult for you. I mean, it's a difficult question for you, uh, uh, Jason, to 
to come up with stuff like this because they're so-called best practices and best practices are past practices in a sense. So instead, definitely as well, look into what hooks you, what things you found interesting and trying to reverse engineer the process, right? So you can come up with ideas yourself because yeah, following best practices has, has its limits. You can only reach a, a local maximum after a while. Yeah, and I would say, you know, since we're talking about things that we hate that marketers do, there's a lot of similarities of, you know, like what people do, you know, like we hear all about clickbait. So there's ways that you can do it that just feel, again, like disingenuous or like you're, you know, you're just trying to trick people to like click or keep watch. So like when people are like, you won't believe what this girl did after, you know, after taking this picture or whatever, you know, like there's kind of like gimmicky ways to try to hook people in. So don't fall into that trap. It's very similar to other people's content. Like just think about, what genuinely is going to be interesting and valuable for your audience. And if you stick to that, you'll, you'll in the long, in the long run, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll win as a business. So. Yep. I mean to that. So I think we've covered a lot of ground in, in 30, 37, 38 minutes. So thanks Jason for that, for going through this exercise. And I think, I think listeners had a lot of stuff to, to take home and get started straight away, which is nice. I like those small steps. People can get started and they can use your software Animoto to do that if they want to. I'm not getting any money from you, just to be clear. I'm uh, <laughs> uh, mentioning it because I think it fits quite the conversation. So talking about Animoto as a business now a bit, how many employees you have so far right now? We have about a hundred folks here in New York City. So that's quite impressive. And, and you strike me as someone who's like genuinely nice, but very driven, I would say, obviously to, to, to keep a company like for 10 years 100 employees to develop a software with the sea of competition out there. It, it must be quite tough every day. So I'm curious to hear your story and this story can be answered, I suppose, in one question. So what is, if you have to pick one event, one thing that made you the person, the entrepreneur you are today, what would it be? I like the first thing that comes to mind is it's actually before Animoto, uh, when I was working in TV as a producer for Comedy Central, actually, well, this is like getting started working in TV, is uh, I had to do a lot of shit work. In fact, the first show I worked on was called Cranking Gears. It was basically like puppets reenacting prank phone calls by all these comedians, except for I didn't get to ever work with these cool comedians. I actually drove, literally I drove a white van around New York City and having to make like pickups and deliveries and go get puppet parts and go to the grocery store for random things. And this one day I had to go to the grocery store to go pick out stuff that would make good puppet vomit. And I was sitting there like trying to choose between frozen peas and frozen corn or vegetables or something. And I just like, you know, I was like, tw I'm like 25. I went to a good school. I'm like, what am I doing? I, I kind of like started crying. I was just like, what am I doing with my life? I'm like here in a grocery store picking out stuff for puppet vomit. I think that moment for me, I just realized, you know what? Even in super sexy industries like TV or even starting your own business, there's always shit work to do. And I just kind of had to say, listen, I, I'm not going to be above doing anything. It doesn't matter what I'm asked to do. I will, I will do it in the same way that I, you know, I would do something I thought was important. And I think what I learned along the way, and especially Animoto, is that if you just, if you're just kind of a, a person of your word and you just know how to be reliable and dependable and if you say you're going to do something, you, you do it and you surround yourselves by those type of people that they don't, they don't give you a bunch of excuses why they can't do something because they think it's beneath them. You just surround yourself by people who are reliable, dependable, are people of the words and get stuff done. Um, that's the most important thing. And for me, that, that moment has just stuck for my whole life is, uh, is I could have just given up and gone and tried something else then, but I just like, I'm, I'm going to treat the small things just as, as important as the, the big things. So did you take a decision after this, this episode? Like, did you take a decision to leave? What was the, the next no, few I, days? No, no, no. I stayed and I said, you know what? I, it doesn't matter what I'm asked to do. I'm going to do it. And I, my goal was just to make myself as reliable and dependable as possible. And what it's great about TV is it's pretty kind of meritocratic. And so I was able to kind of make my way up pretty quickly in TV and become like a producer and pitch my own shows and stuff like that. But it really was just saying, you know, I'm going to 90% of the work might not be that interesting or sexy, but I'm going to treat it like it is and just do my best. So. What was the most uh, successful program you pitched? Like what was, what is the show in your past career that you're the most 
uh, the Prada's. Well, there's a lot of shows I'm not so proud of, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of crappy stuff on Comedy Central and MTV. But um, I got to work on, you know, like several uh, video music awards, um, you know, like a lot of that video stuff on the, on the, on the, behind the stage when people are performing and, and went before like the, you know, the showcasing the nominees and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, video music awards is semi-respectable. There's some funny stuff on Comedy Central, like the showbiz show with David Spade or the tough, tough crowd with Colin Quinn, stuff like that. Um, but I certainly, I think the video music awards is probably the biggest show that I got to work on for a few years, which was fun. So switching gear again to, to going back to Animoto as the business now, if you had to select the biggest marketing fuck up of Animoto today, so it's been 10 years that you're in business, 11 years roughly. Uh, so I'm pretty sure you have, you made some major mistake marketing wise. So <laughs> if you had to pick one that would be interesting, not only in terms of people maybe laughing about it in, in insight, or, uh, but also learning from it, what would it be? Oh man, we've never made any mistakes. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's hard to it's it's hard to choose. Certainly, there are, there are a lot of crazy stories in the early days of Facebook where we were experimenting doing all these things with auto-generated videos, which we thought was a cool idea. Like, hey, why don't you know people have photos and video clips? Let's auto-generate videos and send it to them. And it turns out they actually completely were freaked out by that. And and. Uh, And uh, I think we got a lot of nasty emails about that, where we thought we were doing something technically really cool. Uh, I think the, probably the biggest learning along the way for us was, um, it's just this, uh, it, it was learning about focus and just, you know, a couple years in the Animoto, we had so many different types of people using Animoto, which for a few years we thought was, was actually great. Um, and then I think we actually realized that, you know, when you kind of have a little bit of everyone using you, it's kind of the, almost the same as like no one really using you. And, and we were just being pulled in so many different directions because we just didn't really have any real focus. We were just so, we were just nerding out on the product and technology all day. Um, and so at some point we had to kind of, I'll say, grow up and say, hey, listen, would we rather be kind of good at a lot of things or best in the world at one thing? And if we're going to be best in the world at one thing, we need to really choose that. That's when we started really focused on social media and businesses and can we really relate to, you know, the, to small businesses and their challenges. And, um, and we took a lot of inspiration from businesses like Canva and Squarespace and Wix and we're like, yep, you know what, we want to be the Canva of video. We want to be the, the Squarespace of video and we're going to embrace this whole, you know, builder, builder paradigm and, um, and here we are. So that's uh, that whole story of just trying to really be focused and genuinely kind of customer centric. Because I think a lot of people like talk the talk about being customer centric, but we've really had to learn how to grow up from being, you know, technology nerds to really actually being, you know, customer, customer focused and customer centric. So uh, I wish we did that a long time ago, but in many ways, uh, you know, I think having learned a lot of things the hard way is what really makes us value it today. So. I think it's a nice, it's a nice principle for people to use in marketing. I mean, that's the basis of a marketing to, if, as you say, if you serve everyone, you serve no one and, and picking a battle saying no. I think the yep. sto uh, stoicism makes it, I, I'm going to butcher the, the, the principle behind it, but basically it says you, you need to take uh, as much attention to the things you choose to do as much as the, the things you chose not to do. And this is something I'm trying to, to do in my daily life work. A personal life career. I chose, for example, to remove all of the social apps from my phone, um, mm. emails and stuff. I only keep the bare minimum. I chose to not use Slack. I chose to, I mean, there's many choices I make in my day to day that prevents me from like basically not doing things. And, and what you said is, is important there, um, as well in marketing. I think most companies, if you think about it, the ones that are the most successful, they all picked the things they are not going to do as well as the things they are going to do. And that takes some yeah. guts, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a, there has been a lot of benefits of that too, because it's not just, you know, running a better business, but it's like even operationally, the fact that, you know, when we're trying to prioritize what to do or how to improve the product, it, it's, we have a clear direction instead of being pulled in all these different directions, which starts reflects on your product experience if you're starting to just kind of build this Frankenstein patchwork quilt of an experience. But even internally, you know, like we used to hear in our early days, and I guess I'm kind of admitting a bunch of like, you know, stuff here, but it's like people would say, well, we don't, we don't really know what we're, if what we're working on is the most important thing. And, but now the fact that we have us, everyone has a singular direction. They can all feel confident 
that they are you know, working on the most important thing because we're all moving in the same direction. So that just people's energy and you know, just motivation to do their best work has increased a lot with, with focus because everyone knows like, yep, I'm, I'm part of the, the big picture here. So I think I know the answer to this question, but uh, what do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next five, 10 years, 50 years? Well, will it be bad for me to say video? Well, no, I, please, sorry, yeah. like, I, like I said you know, earlier, it, I really do think we're, in, we're still in the early days of video and it's going to evolve, but just video as a form of communication, it's like investing in, in learning a new language. You're going, you're, it's, going, it's only growing in importance and if we're not starting now, then we might, you know, we might kind of uh, get behind the curve here. So, you know, social platforms might change. Mobile is going to get, you know, smaller. These phones are going to start folding up and everything. But, you know, but video is only going to keep growing in importance. So, so investing in getting good at communicating with video will continue to be a wise investment 10, you know, 20, 50 years from now. What are the top three resources you would recommend our listeners? It could be anything like a podcast, a book, a conference, a tool. Let's see, I'll throw out a couple. I th so we use, just in terms of getting focused, since I was talking about that, we use this framework called OKRs, which uh, you know, I think Google and other companies, but it's basically objectives and key results. So we do it on an annual basis and a quarterly basis, but you basically pick you know, your objectives, your, the pro your top priorities, and then what's important is you understand what does success look like, and you have a way of actually measuring that. So that's the key result. So at the end of every quarter, at the end of every year, reflect on, what is it that we said was most important and how did we say we're going to measure it and how did we stack up? And it's okay to, you know, to like not make goals all the time because you learn a lot that way. Uh, I think a lot of companies out there are shy about making goals because they're just like, well, I never done this before. So how do I know? But you're not going to learn until you start kind of just like doing it. And then a couple books that are like Bibles for us here are, um, let's see, one is called uh, uh, The Advantage, um, which is like, the importance of organizational health, um, which I highly recommend, and, and, and talks a lot about how you get your company to focus. And the other is called Radical Candor, which is um, about basically creating a culture of candor and just being able to give people, you know, honest feedback. Which uh, I've found at a lot of companies, people are shy about giving people feedback because they don't want to hurt their feelings, or whatever. But it's really important to make sure you can be open and honest with everyone around you. So. Yeah, so those two books, uh, The Advantage and Radical Candor, are, are like Bibles for us here. So I can vouch for, for the second one. I didn't read the first one, but I can vouch for Radical Candor. People are, are sometimes scared of giving feedback, but also the other way around. Sometimes people are very way too aggressive about the way they treat others, right? Which is the other yeah. end of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, and the book, the book addresses both how to do it tactfully, but also make sure you're doing it. Yep. Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, read. So Jason, you've been absolutely fantastic. I think you've, you were able to distill a lot of interesting tips and steps, methods that people can use today, but also maybe in five years, 10 years, 50 years, because I think they are relevant into the in terms of marketing principles, uh, which I very much like. So thank you so much for going through all of that. Uh, last question for you is the obvious one. Uh, where can listeners connect with you, learn more from you, and maybe sign up to your tool? Well, you know, so, so I, you know, I'm, I work for Animoto, so Animoto.com, but what I, and I'm all over social media, so, you know, feel free to get in touch. But I thought what I do maybe is I'll set up a, a page if people want to like try to get my information. So I'll set up, um, maybe how about we make it a Animoto.com slash everyone hates marketers. Boom. Right? And then, uh, and I'll put my contact information in there and maybe some helpful links. And yeah, I'd say, you know, like, you know, whether you're just getting started with video or you're trying to figure out how to take things to the next level, don't be shy about getting in touch. I love talking to businesses and just hearing your challenges and what you're trying to do. So don't be shy about getting in touch. I'll set up that page, uh, animoto.com slash everyone hates marketers. Uh, thanks for that. So I'll, I'll share the link uh, in the email newsletter. I'll also share the link in the episode page. So as of today, because this episode is published today, obviously, uh, you're going to be able to, uh, to grab the link. And yeah, so thanks again, Jason, for all your, for your time and all your insights. Awesome. Thanks, Louis. It's been a real pleasure. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email list uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a one-to-one as -one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you 
my numbers and how many listens we get and I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests and perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday so don't be afraid to subscribe I'm not going to spam you and you can always uns unsubscribe for sure if you wish the second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback we know that this show is not perfect yet and we always uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing I like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on itunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five-star review it means that more people would be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker so thank you so much once again and au revoir And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.